My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we'll have a conversation with stand-up comedian and nationally touring entertainer Michael Pettit. Michael's career spans over 30 years and includes numerous appearances on radio and network television. So stay tuned for a high-energy and hilarious conversation with entertainer Michael Pettit, coming up next on Chapters Radio. Welcome to another edition of Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick. We have a great show on tap for you today. In studio today, we have Michael Pettit, celebrity impressionist, comedian, entertainer, host, entrepreneur. Former lumberjack. <laughs> In studio today, we have Michael Pettit. Mike, how are you? Good morning. Good to see you. Ah, great to be here. What a beautiful day here. It is a gorgeous day in Franklin. Finally, we have nice weather. Uh, spring has sprung. And, yeah. Uh, well, that's something I know you love. You love the New England weather. I love the four seasons. You Tell know, me about um, it. Sprummer and Finter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the beautiful, the beautiful weather, you know. Oh, I love that. You know, Storm Team, coverage you can trust. Yeah. <laughs> All right, who who can't we trust? What, right, exactly. You can't trust the weather. Mike, uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your career. You're a very, very funny guy. And people, if you haven't checked out Mike Pettit before, uh, do yourself a favor. Get in touch with him. Friend him on Facebook. You love Facebook. Uh, I'm a friend on Facebook, and, uh, you know, it's a great way to connect with people. Um, my story, my chapter, everybody has one. That's right. I grew up uh, in Attleboro. And uh, I started my career uh, in the Boston radio market probably about uh, 30 years ago, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, what happened was I had won a sound delight competition. Um, I'm a big sports fan. Right. And I won the Johnny Most. We all remember Johnny Most. We remember him the well. The legendary broadcaster. His uh, big catchphrase was high above courtside. He would start every broadcast. So I actually went into this competition, and I won the competition in 1988 at the Long Wharf Marriott. No kidding. Tommy Heinsohn was there. Uh, uh, Bob. Newmeyer was there, yeah. Dave Cowens, uh, a lot of the Celtic legends were there, and Johnny was there, of course. And um, and Johnny was like, you know, you're really good, kiddo. I got to tell you something. That that is an amazing impression that you're doing right there. Johnny was the best. Yeah. He was always like, okay, DJ has an ocean back over the birdie, bang. <laughs> <laughs> wait he, for it, wait for it, wait he, for it. He fiddles, he diddles, he diddles, he diddles, and that was the biggest, biggest ball by Lambeer. He was always murdering something. Oh, Lambeer was the, what was the Lakers. And yeah, the, uh, yeah, I just watched him the and, other night and, doing and, exactly and, and that. And the Celtics. Yeah, so you win this, uh, you win this sound-alike competition, which... Um, was a big deal at the time. Yeah, it was yeah. a big deal, and that um, launches your career. And the funny thing is, uh, oh, that's the that's the that's the rocket ship that brought me to Franklin today. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, actually, what happened was, uh, well, now we're going back. There was no cable. There was a uh, a, a sports channel called Sports Channel. I remember that channel. That was the that was the only channel you had. Was yeah, sport. there was no Nesson. There no. was no Comcast. There was no no cable. No. Um, but actually, I went to uh, decided to go to uh, uh, broadcasting school in Boston. It was yeah. the, the Northeast Broadcasting School. Yeah. And did I want to be a DJ? Probably not. But I was an impressionist. Yeah. So I wanted to be entertaining sidekick in the morning show. Yeah. Um, so I actually went to school there and learned about, um, you know, outlining, crafting, writing bits, material, production. Yeah. And then I landed a job in Boston at the old uh, 94.5 WZU. No, at the old 94.5 WZOU. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was always it was the morning show stuff. And, and were you a sidekick guy? I was a sidekick. You know, our, our President Reagan was uh, was our president at the time, so it'd be like a 
Well, good morning, everyone. Yes. Oh, yes. It's it's your friend Ronald. You know we're well. We're 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 doing wonderful things. It's um. Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> and he was always forgetting things. Yeah, and that was the yeah, joke. Yeah. But it was just characters and and bits. So what happened from there was I got hired to do a uh, a remote. A station remote. Okay. The van, you go out and you uh, have a microphone and you broadcast yeah. from your location. And I just realized that um, I uh, I enjoyed people. I had the gift of gab. Yeah. And uh, that's where uh, stand-up comedy reared its head. Yeah. So tell me about that. So you're, you're doing well in, in radio. You know, these are, these are good gigs. You're a young guy at that point. I was I was doing okay. You mentioned BCN before. Sure, I grew up BCN. with Charles Lacordaire. Sure, sure. Worked at BCN for a little while as well, doing morning show bits over there. Yeah. Um, what What makes a guy want to get up on the stage and be funny and run the risk of getting heckled and embarrassed? And you're gonna have to have a certain type of metal to do that. Is that? Am I wrong? So what happened from there was, um, you know, in high school I was, let's say, the class clown. Yep. Um, and I hosted senior class night from class of 1984. Nice. I emceed and hosted the senior class night. Yeah. And that's when I really had the awakening. I had, this is what I should be doing. Uh Yeah. Holding a microphone, emceeing, guest hosting, bringing in talents and that kind of stuff. Right. And then stand up comedy just was a natural transition. So it was go. more of a progression. I get it was that. a progression and it was rough. And it, 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 you know, comedy, I've been doing it 30 years. It's just something where I'm very blessed. I'm an impressionist. Yeah. I'm an entertainer. Rich Little, Billy Crystal. Hello, Norman. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm having fun on the radio today. Hello. I'm not going to do it. I'm hosting the Oscars. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. He says he'd like to talk to you. I'm not going to do it. I'm getting married. I'm getting married. <laughs> but so you know, that's so, how it moved into stand up. You start off, you do 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever you can do. And it's rough. It's tough. You know, you're hustling gigs. And then I moved into 15, 20, 30 minutes. Now I'm a middle. Yeah. And then I moved up to headlining. Okay. In this time period, I moved from Providence, from Attleboro in 1990. I moved to Fort Myers, Florida. Right. And I got another radio job. Okay. And I needed to grow up. And I started going on the road as a traveling comedian as well. I was working radio in Fort Myers in the morning, but on the weekends, I would go to Orlando. I'd go to Tampa. This was 1991, 92, 93, 94, 95. And then I really respectfully had outgrown the market. I was doing cruise ships on the weekends, too. I moved up to Carnival Cruise Line. Yeah. I was what they call a, a fly-on entertainer. Really? No, they don't fly you on the boat. <laughs> they fly you to the port. You get on the ship for a couple days, yeah. and then you fly home. What's wrong with that, by the there, way? It was great. It was great. I had, I, I've had seen the world, met some great people, experienced a lot, a lot of buffets. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, then I moved. To Los Angeles. Yeah. That was the big jump. That was overwhelming, shocking. I didn't know anybody. I drove across the country by myself. How many comedians would you guess per square mile are in Los Angeles? Uh, it's just, I. it's overwhelming. Right. It's the. So it, is this a, a big fish, small pond, small, you know, that whole thing where you get completely dumped upside down in your head when you uh, get there? It's a uh, little fish, no pond. Yeah, right. Okay. You are literally, yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood. It's LA. It's, it, this is a tough, tough business. A little overwhelming. It's. Uh, at the time, it's 
beyond overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, but uh, survived and thrived. I lived out there for about eight years. And this is this is chapters. Everybody has chapters. Yeah. Um, so where I am now, uh, so I lived out in Los Angeles, um, agents, castings, auditions, callbacks, callbacks. Mm-hmm. That's when you get brought back in for another um, another role. Is that what it is? That's a callback. Okay. They like you. They, we'd like to see them again. Yeah. They bring you back in. And what they do, it's almost like playoffs. You start off with so many teams. Now it gets down to a few. Yeah. And it gets down to a fewer. Um, so in 1995, when I had just moved out there, um, just it's all career. It's all career chapters and where we're at right now and what you've been through. And that that's life. Yeah. But um, I came real close to landing the voice of Daffy Duck and Porky Pig in the movie Space Jam. Come on. Of course. I'm open. <laughs> Throw me the ball. Okay, I'm the Daffy. Stop pulling my tail. No, what's... Of course I'm open. Throw me the ball. What's the problem here? I say, I say, boy, you are kooky. No, what stopped you Ooh, from getting that role? you bad, bad, very... Um, you know what? There's just this one guy that I kept butting heads up against, and he used to be the former voice guy at BCN, Yeah, and he was the voice of Red and Stimpy at the time, Billy West. Oh, yeah. Billy got Billy the part. West. Me That's and Billy West. from the past. Billy West was yeah. the voice of Red and Stimpy, the cartoon, Yeah, and it is what it is, very talented. Yeah. He had that show on, and it came down between... Ivan Reitman was the director. Okay. Of the movie. I was in the studio. Five callbacks over a span of probably two months. Very nerve-wracking. You don't hear nothing for a week, then you hear something, then you don't, it's I, crazy. I, I couldn't take it. Well, that's, I mean, that's... I get upset, you know, when girls wouldn't call me back, I'd sit by the phone. I mean, little things. Little things bother uh-huh. me. I was in yeah. sales. Yeah, sure. I dealt with more rejection than, uh, yeah. I don't know who, but I, I'll tell you what, um, I, I don't know whether I could deal with that, but somehow you did. I you're did. here. I did. And you're oh. standing. Happy as can be. Yeah. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Still still a, a low-energy sort that you are. My name's Jim Derrick. Yeah, this is sure, Chapters sure. Radio. You can find me at my podcast, chaptersradio.com. I'm having a great conversation with my new friend, Mike Pettit. Michael Pettit is a uh, comedian. He is also an MC host, but he's also, he's got an amazing story, amazing life story. We won't have a chance to tell the whole thing today, but you are involved in so many different things. You have a passion for animals. I do. Yeah. And it's it's a really heartwarming story um, about that passion for animals. Your current love of your life, your yellow lab. My is, BFF. Yeah. My best very friend. And his name is? Big Murph. Big Murph. And Big Murph is big. Big Murph, is a, uh, he's a uh, English lab. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. I met Michael on the telephone. Uh, he uh, he is uh, someone who doesn't have any problem telling you exactly what he's doing in the moment he's doing it. So be careful when you call him because he was walking Big Murph. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly I knew I found out that Donald Trump also had a Big Murph. <laughs> because I'm talking to Donald Trump, who's walking the dog. <laughs> well, look, we love animals. All animals are amazingly huge. They do incredible things. All they want is to be loved. And that's all animals want is to be loved. And that's all we want is to be hugely, incredibly loved. <laughs> you, throw, so, you throw me right into the impression of I Donald Trump. I had to. It's yeah. beautiful. I love that impression. So, uh, But Michael has a great sense of humor. But I'll tell you no. what, when it comes to animals, you get deadly serious. Um, like me. I decided uh, uh, a couple of years ago after losing a pet, I don't have children. Um, I've worked with big brothers. Of, of I was a big brother for four years. And, um, I, I, uh, you know, it was very rewarding. And as you know, as the child, as they grow up, they, they move on. And mm-hmm. hopefully you've, you've made a, ch- a difference in their life. So with that, um, I, I had a lab for 12 years. 
he was a, a, an American lab. I'd gotten him down in Atlanta when I was working for the Cartoon Network, yeah. ironically, yeah. in 2003. And uh, when I moved back here, a uh, relationship didn't go out as well as you'd like. I lost the dog in the relationship. And then uh, three months later, I found out I was going to get the dog back. And that was one of the happiest days of my life. Really, I flew from Providence into Atlanta, got the dog, and brought him home. Literally turned right back around two hours later on a flight and brought him home. I don't blame you. So I had Max for, um, Max was my, my boy, and I lost him in 2015 after 12 amazing years, which mm-hmm. I realize now is a long time for dogs. Mm-hmm. So I decided to start something called Applause for Paws. Applause for Paws is professional stand-up comedy shows that assist with animal shelters. Um, We've done the Uxbridge uh, Animal Shelter two years now. We've also done the South Coast Humane Society um, down in Dartmouth. Yeah, I go down and I host this for them, and I do the raffles, and I do stand-up. They raised, I think, about $14,000 last year. Holy sp- Have you got a website for Applause for Paws? Applauseforpaws.net. A- Applauseforpaws.net. Take a look at the website. See if you can't find a show. See if you can't find a way to donate. I got to tell you, it's one of my passions as well. I, as well. I share with Michael that I, I lost uh, two of my best friends this year. It was just a terrible year. And uh, it's not because I'm a bad pet owner. It's I like to adopt pets that just don't have a chance sure. in this world and um, like to give them some some quality time that they have left. Sure. Uh, so um, I, I share that passion of yours. Uh, you also have um, uh, a business of your own, which is not comic related. It's it's a uh, marketing business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Thank you. It's called Creative Click marketing creative click marketing and this is something it's a small boutique advertising agency where i was always brought in very fortunate to work with different companies uh boston children's hospital uh, mohegan sun they would bring me in to host and MC some events yeah and i just uh would meet with various people there and i realized that they could use they could use um, some creative services could be a logo design could be web design could be um event consumer-driven event assistance, those types of things. So I started Creative Click Marketing, and people say, what a great name. Well, what is everybody doing right now? Exactly. Click, 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 click. click. Everybody's clicking. Every second of every day. On their mouse, on their mouse, all their phones. Yeah. So Creative Click Marketing, CCM, uh, it's my small business uh, that uh, is basically an assistant for small to medium-sized businesses that may need... Any service. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sitting here wondering where you get the time for all this stuff. You know, I work out of my home, and every day is different. Yeah. Every single day. Um, I'm fortunate to have the time to come meet with you today. Yeah. Monday, you know, Monday's, uh, yeah. you know, you got to do some paperwork and kind of, you know, prepare for the week. Yeah. But uh, just Saturday night, I was fortunate to uh, come in and video produce the Gloria Gemma Breast Cancer Foundation event at Twin River Casino. Right. They brought me in to oversee and direct a video, which we'll start editing this week, mm-hmm. and then present that to the client. Yep. Um, so they had breast cancer survivors. Yep. Uh, it was a, a great event. It's the sixth annual uh, Gloria Gemma. She passed away. The mom, she passed away from breast cancer, yep. so the daughter. And it was all a group of realtors yep, yep. that came, and there was over two or 300 people at the event. Yeah. It was really, really fun. It's fantastic. And powerful, powerful. And I was just going to say, Michael, you have um, a unique ability to connect with people. I've known you for a while. We've known, seen each other in person now for about an hour and a half. I feel like I've known you for a lot longer than that. I can sure. tell you that. And uh, you have that ability to connect with people. And I think one of the most interesting things that you said to me in, in the course of time that we've been speaking has to do with how comedy uh, intersects with 
uh, some really serious issues, such as sobriety. Sure. Um, and you are a man living in recovery. Sure. Uh, you've been in recovery now for 20 plus years. 28. 28 years. I beg your pardon. Years. Yeah, I shorted you a little time there. But um, uh, you were talking about actually performing your uh, comic routine at um, uh, some sober houses yes and in front of people in recovery sure um can you talk to me a little bit about how you see comedy assisting people in their recovery and and how that intersection works well words are powerful tools Mm -hmm. uh i have the opportunity to stand on stage be confident of who i am and to share my blessings which is i'm an impressionist how do i do what i do right. i have no idea right. I, I i really don't you have uh residence in your throat okay so people say how do you, how are you an impressionist i don't know Wait a minute, i have residence you, in my yeah, well like, i i have uh, like occupants what? in my brain you have resident we residence have, okay you do you have the various parts of your throat where you can go okay and see now you you talk to somebody about this and they say what what are you what are you what are you talking about yeah um, <clears throat> how do I go to hey baby this is the Wolfman Jack Rock and Roll Saturday Night that's right hey everybody let's give it up for the Wolfman Jack to hi I'm Casey Kasem we have a long distance dedication from Dorothy in Kansas <laughs> or to uh, you know. This is Tom Brokaw, I'm Machine Alley Knows. We have a uh, brilliant uh, coming up tonight. <laughs> or, yellow, I'm Robin Leach for the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Oh, my God, Warren Franklin. So, so that's a huge range. So, yes. So that gift that I have that I just shared with you right now, I've been given that. I've been given that. Um like to tell my mortgage company that yeah. <laughs> I can't pay my monthly mortgage with my voices, but yeah. I do actually. Yeah. Yeah, and, you and do. It, of course I do. Yeah, of course you do. But, um, so, uh, I basically decided to, uh, live a life of non-alcohol. Yeah. No drugs. Yeah. Um, 28 years ago, 1990, yeah. Yeah. 1990 yeah. Thanksgiving. I had a mullet parachute pants. And, and a bad and a bad case of burn from mashed potatoes. And I was and I passed yeah. out mashed <laughs> yeah. potatoes yeah. at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Um. But it's just it's it, look every people have stories and chapters and uh, life happens. Yeah. So I just basically, um, as I said to you earlier, one of the things that I say is my addiction is my sobriety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have. I'm very 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 fortunate. I don't have any demons. Yeah. I'm not. I just decided to stop. You're not a tortured soul. I'm not a tortured soul. I'm not your typical comic, and I don't mean to brush comics like that. No, no, I get it. Are entertainers. I'm not defined by stand-up comedy. I'm an entertainer. I'm a guest speaker, and I have varied interests. Um, You know, I do. I I have varied interests. I'm I'm an entertainer, but I've just decided that I'm not going to because it's a very very shallow existence. If you are hoping for that next call yeah. from a casting agent, from yeah. a director. It's a, it's a, it's a lonely... Well, I think we just, uh, we just found a way to get the fabulous Jody some airtime because as the fabulous Jody, my wife, said to me, uh, she said, you know, Jim, do you define yourself by who you are or what you do? And that's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're not defining yourself as a stand-up comic. No. You are much more than that. And sure. you've got, you've got uh, the sum total of your experience makes up Mike Pettit. The whole, right. Right. Life experiences. Right? Yeah. And so- The um, chapters. The chapters, exactly. But so when you work in front of an audience that sure. is that is in early recovery- Sure. 
I'm going to call it early, early recovery, sure. early stages of recovery. What do you think the dynamic is? You just mentioned some of it there, is that you're a transparent, candid, honest, open person who's very comfortable in his own skin. You just nailed it. A lot of those folks are sitting there like raw nerve endings saying, sure. what am I going to do Sure. without booze or without drugs? The first thing I say, I look directly at them. I says, you need to decide when you have had enough. When you decide to put your foot down and said, I have had enough. Until then... It's all just lip service. Mm-hmm. You can talk the talk all you want, but until you say, I have had enough mm-hmm. of this. And addiction, it could be gambling, it could be alcohol, it could be food, it could be whatever it is. You, when you say, I've had enough of this, you need you flip the switch. Right. And there's no turning. It's just a, I, I can't explain it. I'm not a psychologist. But- I just know that when I've had enough, of, I'm done. I'm done with this. I just don't, I don't enjoy this anymore. So your interaction with people, you get them laughing. And you and I were talking before, laughter is a very important emotion. I introduce my services as a guest speaker in my my sobriety as a blessing that I can do this. Mm -hmm. This is what I can do Mm -hmm. as an entertainer. Mm -hmm. You have a gift too, sir, ma'am, young man, mister. You have a gift. What is your gift? What is your passion? And then, you know, you delve into deeper things, uh... Look, I've, I've learned that most people's issues have nothing to do with you. Most people's issues have nothing to do with you. It's accumulation of life and things that happened when they were kids. Or, but you cannot go back. If, if you put your hand into the fire, what happens? Yeah, you're burnt. If you keep putting your hand into the fire, what's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to get burnt. Over and over. So if you're going to continue to go to the bar yep. or the spot or the hangout where all that bad stuff is, you're going to get burnt. You've got to stay from that fire pit. You got to stay from that open flame, mm-hmm. and that's what you you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. the choices that you. It's all about choices. Yeah, and you know, you go to comedy shows, and I'm not I'm not a person in recovery from alcohol and drugs. I'm in recovery from a lot of things, but but those don't just happen to be two of them. Um, but when you go to a comedy show mm-hmm. and you hear somebody with talent like you who's willing to take huge risks. That's how we perceive them anyway. Now we don't know that you've been doing it for 28 years and mm-hmm. you did this routine 29, yeah, 100 times in the last. You know, sure. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I'm sure you're always pushing the envelope looking for new material, but there's a vulnerability that you bring with yourself when you get on stage, right? Completely naked. You, you're, you're up there, you bare yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. I see the similarity with recovery. Because sure. when you enter recovery yep. and you choose to live a sober life, you are making yourself automatically vulnerable. You have Vulnerable surrendered. to pain, emotion, surrender, exactly. Vulnerable to feeling feelings, to talking about these squeamish things with other guys like sure. God and sure. love sure. and respect. Sure. I had the, uh, uh, I was a guest speaker at a sober house locally here uh, back in, it had to be January. And uh, I, I stood there and did 90 minutes. No PA system. Unbelievable. It, it, it was one of the most inspiring things I've ever done. It was my local community where I live. And uh, there was probably 40, 50 guys, a bunch of guys all just hanging out. And I just did what I did. And the greatest thing was, I went home that night. I was so pumped. I took Big Murph for a walk yeah. at night. Or he took me for a, work, a walk because he's got, you know, they have you trained. At about quarter or nine, he's like, let's go, Yeti. I'm ready for my walk. Yeah. But uh, I was so, I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. And uh, about a week later, I'm at Stop and Shop. Yeah. And uh, plug, 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 Stop and Shop. Yeah. I'm at Stop and Shop. And it was the Friday before the Super Bowl for the Patriots. And I had a hooded sweatshirt on and a, and a winter cap. And I heard, Hey, you're the you're the comedian, and I just kept walking. I didn't didn't you know? The guy goes, "Hey, man, you're funny. You're the comedian." I turned around. It was two of the gentlemen who were at that program were out grocery shopping, clearly, 
and they were getting food for their party for the Super Bowl on Sunday. And they said, hey, man, they gave me a fist pump. They said, you really connected with us. That was awesome. We appreciate it. That right there validates, quantifies what I did for free um, and just reminds me, just keep doing what you're doing. That's where you really get paid. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's really re- where you really That's get paid. That's where you cash out, baby. Yeah, baby. So, <laughs> that was my Austin Powers, man. Yeah, baby. Oh, behave. <laughs> We're doing this on a Monday, man. Monday morning. Oh, behave. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to remind everybody, we're talking to Michael Pettit. Michael is a comedian, entertainer, MC, Former lumberjack. Former lumberjack. No. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, and also a fellow New Englander. And I'm proud to say that um, I'm proud to say that you're now a new friend of mine. Um, we plan on bringing Michael out. Uh, people know that I have another role. I don't just get to do this program, but I also work with the Safe Coalition here. Uh, based in Franklin, but we cover eight communities, and we're looking forward to having Michael uh, grace our stages and do some work with uh, through the coalition Amen. in the near, near future. So in the very few minutes we have remaining, and I do appreciate you extending your time here to do this program, Michael, you had some observations that just killed me. Uh, one was on golf. Um, I, I was watching uh, something you did on golf, and you were talking about, because um, I find golf hysterical, the announcers on golf. Can you tell me about golf and the announcers? Well, look, golf, you want to talk about addiction? Yeah. <laughs> golf is addicting. Tell me about it. Um, but what the hell? Why watch it on TV? Why Why are the announcers whispering? Exactly. Thank you. That's <laughs> what I'm getting It's at. not like we're all just hovered over and shh, but it's always like, all right, here's Tiger. He wants to be, oh my God, look at that. Tiger's right there and he's perfect. Oh, that's exactly what Tiger did once again. <laughs> um, but they're about... Half a mile away? They're, they're, I don't even think they're at the match. <laughs> I think they're actually back home with their feet up. It's it's the it's watching the, it on the telly. It, watching it on the telly. It's the it's the ridiculousness of life. Um, and and golf happens to be one of those things that kills me. The other one is Facebook. You mentioned Facebook uh, in one of your uh, routines, and I I cannot overlook this one because it is the ultimate. The play-by-play. The play-by-play. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the play-by-play. Yeah. Uh, Facebook is uh, something where people want to, um, you know, share the play-by-play right. of their life. My kid's sick. I love SpaghettiOs. Yeah. I'm going to the gym. Yes. Um, but that is also our society. Society is uh, look at me, look what I'm doing, and that also uh, it. I use it as a good, as a positive. Sure. If you look at the thread on my Facebook, which sure. I'm very proud of. Um, look, life happens. I don't live a perfect life. I am far from perfect. Yeah. Perfect is boring. Yeah. And anybody who tries to portray themselves as being perfect has more things in the closet. Yeah. It's all big, you know, glass, glass house. But, but yeah, Facebook is like, don't give me the play by play though. I don't want to know right. that you just went to the big Y. Sure. Who could, I don't care. Right. Or that your husband's, you know, actually the more, I think the more people post about their husbands sure. and those anniversary pictures sure. and everything, sure. they're getting awfully close. Sure. Sure. Most of them explode. Sure. Right after that anniversary picture. Sure. The relationships. Um, you know, it's very interesting because, um, you know, people use it for what it's, 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 it's there for. If they want to, you can use it. I use it as an advertising vehicle. Exactly. And also, um, you know, I don't air dirty laundry. I never, I don't know that. I don't want people to know certain things why would i want that I know, right you know uh what's the old saying uh, now on facebook um your 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 personal issues don't need social acceptance they need you know they need <laughs> yeah. therapy. attention therapy yeah, attention therapy yeah. medication time everybody medication time that's why i suggest everybody go talk to uh 
uh, Nurse Ratchet. Yes. <laughs> the famous Dr. Seafeld. Well, I'm glad you brought Jack one along. The cook- one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you're a Red Sox fan, right? I am a huge Red Sox Are fan. Are we wrapping Thanks up right asking. now? We're going to wrap it up. Well, hi, everyone. It's Joe Castiglione oh as the Red Sox here. open up another weekend here, and we are excited to be here with Jim. It's unbelievable. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Because <laughs> you're never going to go tired of hearing... There's a ground ball back to Keith Falk. He underhand came to Owen McAvich. And the Red Sox have won baseball's World Series for the first time in 86 years. Can you believe it? <laughs> and I have to tell you, the other thing that Joe does that drives me absolutely crazy, but how can you not love him? Is he, You get up to the plate. It's David Ortiz coming up to the plate. I can't do the voice. Here comes Big Poppy. Exactly. And next thing you know, we're talking about his cousin's Sure. Bowling sure. in the Dominican Republic sure. where he shot a perfect 300 <laughs> and you hear the back go and you realize there's a long shot, but you're not going to hear the play-by-play for about yeah. another minute or two. You Game know that. five against the Yankees in 2004. Where were you? Game five against the New York Yankees in 2002. Where was I? 2004. 2004. No, I was there. You were there? I yeah. was there. Were you really? How amazing. I was right behind the uh, the Red Sox dugout. Come on. And I stood there for 11 innings. It was a 13-inning game. That's correct. There's a line drive back, 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 back. We'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah, that's right. And then, foot. and then they went to New York, and that's when Billy Crystal was there. What happened? We never lose. I can't <laughs> believe it. Hello. That's what was right. supposed to happen. I yeah. was there. I was there. I was there 3-4-5. There. Uh, Saturday night, obviously, they, they lost against the Yankees 19 yeah. to whatever, uh, and uh, went home. Uh, next day, I went to the Patriots game. Patriots were doing that 22-0 run, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? My cousin calls. He says, hey, Mikey, I got a ticket for you. You want to go to the Sox tonight? Go pick up my daughter in Worcester. Went to Holy Cross to go get her. Yeah. I went there, and I was out in right field bleachers all by myself. It's, it's just classic New England story. And sitting right next to me was a, a husband and wife from Maine. They snuck their own peanut butter and jelly sandwiches no, they didn't. in. And they says... <laughs> The lights, the lights were on. The sun was going down. Hi, everyone. Joe Castiglione. It's game four here. The Red Sox. And they, they leaned over and they said, would you like a sandwich? I said, Absolutely. <laughs> you look like a lumberjack. <laughs> so I'll share one more story. You look like a lumberjack. Uh, one more story. Um, when I lived in Fort Myers, a uh, big Peanut Red Sox fan, jelly. obviously, we are. What's that? Peanut butter and jelly. That's Peanut butter and jelly, name. sure. Uh, who's going who's gonna to question somebody bringing a peanut no, butter and jelly sandwich? Like Do they have ridges what? with them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pringles? Oh, the God. nice thing was, though, they cut the corners off the crust. Um, so he almost spit his coffee out. Yeah. Um, when I lived in Fort Myers, I would always go back for the Red Sox when they came from Winter Haven in uh, 1992. Yeah. And um, so I go back every year. And two years ago, I got to go to, you know, Fort Myers to go do some performances. And then a friend of mine runs the, um, he's the announcer at JetBlue Park yeah. year round. He lives in Fort Myers. Yeah. His name is Ted Fitzgeorge. Yeah. So he sees that I'm some comedy posters. out. He goes, you know, hey, Mike, he calls me. Facebook, he says, hey, call me. Because you want to go to the game on Saturday? I go, absolutely. So me and the, the girlfriend, we got to go over to the to the stadium. He met us out front, gave us the nickel tour. And we go upstairs, and there's Joe. He's in the booth. He goes, you want to meet Joe? I says, absolutely. <laughs> so he, he opens up the door, and he brings me in, and he goes, hey, Joe, this is Mike Pettit. He does a great impression of you. Give it to him, Mike. Boom. So I go, hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. He looked at me, and he goes, wow, can you believe it? <laughs> It doesn't get any better than that. I got the pictures to prove it. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I want to thank Mike Pettit again for coming in. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stone. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, man. You know what? How would Casey sign out? Casey would say, (laughs) here's a long distance dedication from everybody in the Franklin area. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
for Mike Pettit, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters Radio, and we'll see you next week.